Any questions? Questions? Anyone? Is that a handheld mic? Okay, yeah. Gio, could you? Anyone have any questions here? That you may have had raised on anything? Is there any questions on a lover of a man being an initiator, a provider, or a protector? Any questions? Uh, let me start you with one question. Okay. Okay. Uh, okay. Shh. Okay. 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 What if the wife actually makes more than the husband? What, what then? How, how does the husband become the provider when that happens? Good question. <laughs> We're out of time now. <laughs> I, um, okay, okay, go before I respond. Go ahead. The Lord has blessed my husband and I, and um, later on this month, we're going to be married for 18 years. Amen. And, and when I married my husband, I made, I think, twice plus more than him. But I will tell you, he was in the full time ministry. thought I mean I have no problem with you know if a, if a woman makes more but the principle is that the man still needs to provide regardless of which you know and there's couples that do work together good question um, okay I wrote it down so in a world that is very pro-woman equals rights and very feminist it's difficult to have to define rules that you were mentioning hmm. you know there was an example I opened the door for, for a woman and she turned <laughs> to me and got upset I don't need you to do that so, the world is like that. Wow. How do you afford that? Oh. You want to answer that? No. I mean, this. Oh, microphone, because. I like that, but you know. Many women. Can you answer because they recorded? Unfortunately, there are women who are like that, who don't like to see men do that because they want to show that they're equal. But trust me, there are many women. Who like to see men who are respectful and open up doors. So just because one or maybe a hundred women that you encounter get upset, still just show them and say, you know, this is what my mom taught me. This is how my grandmother taught me. And if they still respond that it's, a, it's their own issue. Because I even teach my nephews, you open up the door for a lady. Not just a young lady, but an elderly lady too. Don't just focus on the young women, but you see an elderly woman, open up that door for them too. Mm. Be helpful. But, Man. you know, as a woman, I love to see when men are opening up doors, pulling out a chair, um, being, you know, just kind and patient. So Amen. Don't let that, um, How many, show of hands, how many women... Um, 
like to see men open doors. <laughs> By the way, I, I open doors for both women and men. I don't know what... <laughs> this is out of respect. I don't know what her issue is. I had no guy coming. I can get my own door, thank you, you know? <laughs> but I mean, that's the, her issue, you know? I'll come back? Yeah, like, because oh. um, she, uh, what if, you know, she's, she doesn't want to, uh, she thinks that her opinion, you know, oh. is the right opinion. Okay. <sighs> <laughs> I, this continues on from yesterday's discussion, I think, uh, of the church. Uh, we're going into the church, but I, it's a hard one because there are patriarchs and matriarchs who want to control the church, right? And, God's church shouldn't be controlled by anybody. But at the same time, we should still love them. And there needs to be a balance. I think we need to win their hearts. But I think we need to try and win them back, bring them back into the church and visit them. You've got to visit people in the home. I always feel that, to me, ministry is not preaching. This is not ministry. Ministry, to me, is one-on-one. Ministry is in the home. That's where lives are changed. That's where one-on-one conversations, God really moves. Preaching, to me, is not really that important. But that's why they have to go and visit her and win her back. But still, on the condition, when they come into the, in, back into the church, they must be straight with her and say, you cannot be controlling the church at the same time because that kills the church when they try and control the church. So I think that's the balance. Try and win them back, win their hearts, visit them in a the home. And if they do come back, say, but look, I'm sorry, you no longer can control the church anymore because this is not our church, it's God's church. I think. Now, some, some few careers are way better than the others, right? But I know someone with a $200,000 loan and no job and cannot find a job. So that is definitely was a bad decision. And she can't, they're, they're just been harassing her to pay up. They've been threatening her with lawsuits. I mean, they're just trying to do everything. And now you can't get out of, you can't do bankruptcy on, on loans anymore especially federal loans, you cannot do bankruptcy. You can't, you can't claim bankruptcy anymore. So you, you're stuck. You're getting locked in. So, I mean, what are you going to do? That's some, you can buy a house with $200,000. You have to weigh in. In this economy, you need to weigh in. Is this worth it? Getting this degree. And is this college even worth it? If it's cheaper at another college, go and do it. You know, the true blueprint for divine our education was that, you know, look at Madison College. Our education blueprint was that you work your whole tuition and you leave school not owing one penny. That was a true plan of a divine blueprint for our schools of education. And now you're seeing it's being 
you know, what's happening today in the, in the world is like we're seeing the need for even true education more than ever before, right? So that's why we stray from the blueprint and affects everybody and it affects the church. Anyone else? Uh, you know, may I add to that? Uh, in all your verse, uh, Edward Reed, which is, I think, the leader of the Stewardship for Art Conference, has a really good um, seminar regarding faith and finance. And there's a book uh, you can pick up at ABC. It's called Faith and Finance. It's a good resource. Amen. Okay. Um, so my question is, is, in 1 Peter 3, 1, you were talking about how to convert your husband. So saying oh. your husband isn't an Adventist. My question is, if you said submit to your husband, but um, how are you going to submit to somebody who is completely the opposite of all that you stand for? Uh, you, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, I think, yeah, we mentioned earlier, as unto the Lord. So if he asks anything, did you hear that? Like, okay. Yeah, if, you do, if he does anything that makes you go against the word of God, you don't submit to him. And we, we mentioned about a story of, if he asks you to lie, say somebody calls, tell him I'm not home, don't lie. But in other areas, a lot of areas where he asks you, could you please get this for me? But in humbly submissive, this submitting to your husband and showing love to your husband, that way of submitting to him without breaking in God's commandments, that's what he's talking about, I believe. Okay. Anyone else? Back there, question. There's two situations where you need to be very careful what you deal with. And that is when 
sexual abuse of children and the domestic violence. You can't, just, you can't just get in there and think, I'm going to solve everything. You got to know what you're doing because you can create a worse problem for that child who's been sexually abused, and you can make it worse for um, that, that woman. You could actually cause her death. So you can't be messing around. And, and the abusers, they know how to manipulate people. And so and this is a whole nother seminar. But you got to know how to deal with them. And, but there is a difference between divorce and separation. And the separation is this. You can still, if you've been abused, by all means, leave, right? You didn't get divorced, but you separated. And you're saying to him, like, this needs to stop, right? And then get into, nothing's wrong with separating, leaving. Nothing's wrong with getting a TRO, right? Nothing's wrong with um, even pressing charges. I mean, nothing's wrong with all these things. Nothing's wrong with getting to a shelter, flying away so you can be protected. Nothing's wrong with all of this stuff. So do those things, but at the same time, who knows what may happen. You may, by your conversation and lifestyle, win your husband without the word, right? So there's some kind of power in that, and I've seen it happen. It takes a godly woman for it to happen, but it, it can happen. Yeah? So, but those are two situations that you need to be careful. Don't think that you can just solve the problems and rush into those two things. Okay. All right, uh, I have one question. Okay. have to address it. You have to, you have to let them know what you're thinking, first of all. Right? You gotta, like, I don't think it's going to work. Of course, most of the time, they're not going to like it, and they're going to be upset at you. But I think still be there for the wedding. Still, oh. oh. They may think you feel, but you can make sure it's clearly said, too, at the same time. Oh, okay. I'll, I would show up to the wedding. I would. Okay. How can you find out that the person who used to be an unbeliever has already changed. If we would assume the fact that by his fruits we can know him or her, mm -hmm. how can we explain when the church people also don't produce fruits in us? Hmm. So your question is that, so you're comparing them with church people, right? Okay. I think our decision shouldn't be based upon the comparison between church members and that's, that person's fruit. Like, in other words, um, our only person of comparison should be Jesus Christ. Yeah? So in other words, if that person has wrong fruit, I compare with Jesus Christ, and that's my decision making, not based upon whether the church is falling, ha uh, has fruits or not. So the church, um, this Laodicea is Laodicea, right? The church is not producing fruits. But, you know, I'm not going to justify myself of choosing a wrong mate because I see the church is c compromising also. I think we should not compromise no matter what. Right? Amen? Even if everyone else is, everyone else is compromising, we should be faithful to God. What do you say? Huh? Amen? Regardless of what the church is doing. So only that helps. Your question. Okay? Next question. By the way, if you need to leave, you can leave. I just want to let you know you're free to leave. Um, you're, you're totally your choice. Thank you. 
terms of the, what you were talking about, intentional dating. Okay. Um, and being upfront with a person from okay. the beginning that you have this, you know, marriage would be a goal that you're not just playing around. How do you have that conversation without scaring them off? Um, <laughs> because I think it's serious. I think that you can become too serious too quickly, and that can be a detriment. Yeah. So how do you so. let them know that you're serious? And in, re in reality, is that the guy's job to say that, or that it needs to be a mutual conversation? And second of all. All like this whole intentional dating, you could still end up breaking up, right? I mean, oh, yeah, maybe yeah. The, the answer is no. So how is that really different than dating? What well, dating is, you dating you can get hurt multiple times, because if there's no, in other words, like example, if I have a thought like I want to get married, I want to get married, and she, she doesn't want to get married, and I'm in a relationship with all these girls, ten girls who none of them even doesn't even want to get married. I'm going to get hurt unless there's some, some kind of openness and communication with the people I'm dating, right? There needs to be, you need to be on the same page. Amen. And Christians need to be on a page, I believe, of your goal is to find your soulmate, not for this fun and to fulfill your emotional needs that we may have. That's, the, that's my thought on the, the intentional, da intentional dating. But the other question you had was, um, how do you not scare people off? Does anyone have a thought on that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, well, yeah, <laughs> you know, we live in a culture, you have to take the culture into consideration that people are not doing this, right? So, but I think we take it too seriously in the beginning. In other words, like some people, I know some people don't even want to do intentional dating because if they feel that it doesn't work out and they break off, they feel that people may think that they're a bad person or they're mean or cruel, right? And I think there needs to be leeway where we got to give... I mean, if somebody doesn't work out a relationship and they're doing intentional dating, we kind of make it a big deal. They're like, okay, they didn't work out, that's fine. You know, not make it such a big deal. And I think we should be able to go out on these intentional dates. That's what I think one thing to ease it off. But there needs to be, I think. I think the star of Boaz and Ruth comes into mind. And I think I shared this with someone this morning. Um, they were asking, it seemed as if Ruth was initiating, right? Remember? She went and lay down on his feet. Now, I, I look at it differently as I see it. I believe she was responding because Boaz had already initiated extra care and kindness to her in the field, did he not? He gave her So he was showing affection. He's calling out her affection in the field. He's treating her better than all the other women. That's a sign already. He's calling out her affections already. And what has happened was it wasn't Ruth. It was Naomi that said to Ruth, hey, Naomi, guess what, man? This guy, Boaz, he's calling your affection, but where do you stand? Is he just dating for fun? He's going to call out your feeding, call out your affection because he wants to fulfill his emotional needs? I mean, what's up with him? Is he, you need to find out for where is he standing on this? And I think this will help answer your question. And so she went and she laid it on his feet. And remember, she asked, and said, whoa, who are you? And said, um, I'm your near kinsman. And said, cover me with your, your coat, right? And then, you know what that represents? If you would be covered, that means that um, you're interested in getting married, right? Well, not to marry. No, she was saying, no, if you look at the text, she was, she was saying, what's up? Are, are you doing intentional dating or are you just dating to have fun and play with me? And she was calling, in other words, you need to have an honest conversation with the men. If the men are not going to be man enough to bring it up, you need to bring it up. I feel. And bring it out in the open and say, well, what's your intentions, you know? I mean, this, what are you, and that's what she did to him. What are your intentions? This, what are you thinking? It doesn't have to be so straight, but hey, what are you thinking? I just want to have this conversation and just kind of talk with you. And what are you thinking? 
And I think that was healthy for that relationship. And then he said in the next verse, right? He said, he said you've done more kindness than now than at the beginning. And it says, I will be that you know, kinsman. In other words, okay, I'm telling you now, I'm looking at the prospect that let's look toward, move toward the direction of possibly marriage. I feel that's what Boaz and Ruth was trying to say in that story. That's my own interpretation. But um, all that helps. Those are good questions, by the way. Any other question? Okay, go ahead. These are good questions, by the way. <laughs> Other speakers I've heard um, address this subject talk about the importance of young people getting to know each other in groups first. Hmm. And so I'm, I'm wondering uh, what your take is on that and how you think that fits into a process from the time um, that a young man takes initiative, he decides that he wants to make, make a young woman's acquaintance until they get married. Where do you see that fitting in the process? Well, when you go on a date, are you kind of just like, on your first date, what do you do? You go out in shorts and a t-shirt that you use for cleaning the car? Is that what you're doing? What do you do? You look dressed up. You look your best. You put on external your best that can be. Is that in reality how you're going to be the rest of your life? Do you think that person that you're going to be dating is going to be a guy that that first time you love at first sight? You think that first date and that first experience and kind of like dinner and he's opening the door for you and he's open and putting back the seat for you? You think that's how life is going to be when you get married? That first impression is how he's always going to be like? So is dating, is dating actually a reality? Is dating when you go out today and you're dating, is that a reality that's happening? No, it's not. It's false. It's an external, it's fake. Really dating how it's done today, it's really external and it's really fake. You don't really get to know who they really are. And that's why you need to get to know, if you're going to marry someone, you need to know, who is this person I'm going to marry? You can go on all the dates all alone you want, but it's not going to help. That's why I think it's good to go and to go in groups. See how they interact with other people. Can you relate with other people good? Somebody asked me, how do you know what type of man, how this man's going to treat me? I always tell, somebody mentioned it too in the last class. But I always tell people, go and visit their parents and see how he treats his mom. Because how he treats his mom is not exactly how he's going to be treating you. Stay with the mom for a week. <laughs> and don't tell him why. <laughs> and you get the exact answer. If you just stick to the dating game, you're not going to get the answer. And you know why I know this is true? Because you look at all the marriages and relationships out there. It's not working. Right? If it was working, if this dating game was working, we wouldn't even have this class. If this dating game was working, not one person would be in this tent. True? Right? So apparently something's wrong. And we, have to, we realize that something is wrong, and therefore something got to be done a little bit differently. That's all it is, intentional dating. Anyone else have, a good, have another question? Okay, wait, let's see the time. Uh, okay, question, go ahead. Um, this is a comment uh, and, and a question possibly. It seems to me that it's important to, to develop friendships with people first, to get to know each other out of, uh, outside of context of where you're more likely to develop romantic feelings so that uh, where your head may be so, so to speak screwed on straight although you want it. I mean, one, I maintain it all the way through. But also, if you're developing friends with people and, and you're clear up front about the fact that when you get into a, a dating relationship, it's definitely to consider marriage. It doesn't have to hit them at the time 
when you're asking for some sort of commitment, but it's already been, you know, when you were friends, it's been talked about, so it's not going to surprise them or there isn't anything that they weren't expecting anyway. Yeah. And then give, get him a CD. Get him this class CD, okay? <laughs> kind of slip it into his CD player or whatever. <laughs> Even the question and answers, leave it on, yeah? Okay, next question. because of sin, um, not to be able to clearly see our mate or to be ready, ready to um, receive our mate? Um, would there be other opportunities um, if we missed the boat, for example, or <laughs> it didn't land properly because it wasn't the right timing? And if we really just one person, you know, like there's somebody yeah, yeah, yeah. the same person come back around again. I think, God <laughs> has, I think God has a person for you. God has, God has someone who is taking from your rib who is made just for you, right? But I also believe that God also has other choices if you miss the boat. I believe he doesn't make you happy. But, this, but there's, something that's more in, there's something that's more important than even a soulmate. And you know what that is? Your actual relationship and how you treat each other. And this is one principle. In other words, you can find your soulmate, but by not following the principles of God's um, relationships and being selfish, right, you can actually end up being divorced even though you maybe gotten a soulmate people can think oh i got my soulmate i prayed for this person and they came you know what and they just relax and kick back and do nothing to make this relationship work do you think it's going to work just because you, you found your soulmate and magically it's going to work no relationships take work and you have to follow this is one principle the many principles of the bible for relationships you the more you apply them the more successful your relationship will be you can't depend everything upon one magic like it's a magic silver bullet that's going to do everything but this is this one out of many principles that we're happy to have a happy experience. Okay. Okay, it's, not, it's done already, right? Okay. Um, that's it. Got a cute question to answer tonight. Um, let's finish it. Can I make one announcement, though? Is that okay? Okay. Um, there's a series I did. It's called Relationships God's Way. And it's 12 different, it's 12 sermons on this. And uh, let me read a couple. It's not the ones I've done. This is different ones. Empty and sidecar, sexual integrity for women. Men and women have different battles. Many of you, how many have listened to this series already? Let me see your hand. Wow, okay, this is a new crowd, okay. This is, um, next one is Iris and Gaza, sexual integrity for men. Then the next one is playing the love game. Number four is passion and purity. Finding your soulmate is on this one. Uh, what do I look for? Seven is marrying the right person. Eight is why relationships go bad. Nine, wherever you go, I will go. Ten, the search for oneness. Eleven, the player gets played. And twelve is wounded hearts restored. Okay, so this is a series I did. Um, you can get it online, but we have it here. So my wife is here. We have a couple here. Right after the meetings, you can come up here. Oh, okay, you can buy here. And also the booth tonight inside there. Um, I'll be at the booth, and we'll be selling this. And this is on a donational basis. And every place I go, whether they pay for us or not, I pay for my family to come with me because I believe in my family ministry. So, and everywhere I go, most of the places, I lose money because my family is more important than even the speaking engagements. So what helps to subsidize um, is your help and support, the donations for this. This will help our ministry to help um, recover for the, the expenses. But you know, God is always taken care of. And um, actually, was it last year? It was last year, beginning of the year, was a, I went to one place, and they took an offering, 
and it cost $1,000 for my wife and my daughter to fly up from Hawaii. And um, they paid only for the speakers. They paid for um, me, and they took an offering. And then they took another offering right after, yeah? They took another offering in this church, and then rather than the $1,000, they took up $2,000. So when $1,000 covered the ticket, and $1,000 went toward the ministry. So God is always, some places take more, it supports even better. Um, I was able to go to Army. I think Army was the first time last year they actually paid for the husband and the wife to fly up, right? For the first time last year to Hawaii. So they paid for me and my wife to fly up. And this was the first time of any speaking engagement that they actually paid for all the speakers, whole family, including the children. Amen. Isn't that amazing? I praise God for that Southwestern Conference. So uh, it does help us out, by the way. So I just, um, we can support us every year, blessing.